Freed O'Donoghue. Freed, you're welcome to Scarif Bay Community Radio. Thanks for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Will you tell us a little bit about yourself? So I am one of eight children. I grew up on a dairy farm just outside in Estimon. Yes. And I have returned to live on, um, I built on homeland, having travelled a little bit first. Um, I went to school in Estimon. I found uh, education extremely difficult. As no matter how long I spent doing homework, I still seem to get the words wrong. And then later on in my 20s, I discovered the word dyslexia, which explained an awful lot of, of those challenges, which unfortunately that word wasn't there. And so yeah, yeah. it was met more with the daily beatings rather than rather than understanding and tools. But thankfully... Different times, weren't they? Different times. Yeah. And thankfully, an awful lot of those challenges are now met with understanding and tools. Yes. And there, while the resources might be perfect, there are more resources there. Than there are. Used to be. Yeah. There are, and I think understanding and acceptance. Yes, yes. And yes. I think really in the last few years, there's huge strides made to accept people of of every challenge and every every um, ability and every belief system and orientation. So you overcame that dyslexia. Well, I found ways around yes. it, definitely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so then, ironically, I ended up doing a secretarial course and moved to London where I found myself working with stockbrokers, which was incredible because I think we had only got the phone in at home about six months earlier. And then I was in this world of um, manic um, phone calls and screams buzz. and buzz, absolute buzz. And so there in that part, I started to really discover who I was. I learned the word dyslexia, which made sense of a lot of things. Um, I started to do night classes. One of my friends was doing a course in massage and I thought, oh, that sounds completely different to my day stuff. So I went with her and during the classes, I started to feel in my body what was going on for the clients. So if they had a pain in their knee, I felt a pain in my knee or if they had a pain in their shoulder, I felt it in my shoulder. Physically felt it. Physically felt really? it. Yeah. And then there was heat coming through my hands and I had no idea what was going on here and neither do they. So um, I started to kind of explore that world a little bit more on the quiet with friends and family. And then when I moved back to live in Ireland, um, that world just continued to grow. So I now work full time as a healer. So I have a healing gift and I also I'm psychic. And when people come to see me, before they come, I'm shown images from their childhood of traumatic events or um, maybe limited belief systems that have been passed down through their family. And I also have the ability to do mediumship. So um, some people that come to see me come because they need to know that somebody they've lost is at peace and has moved forward. Um, and then that world has just continued to open, I suppose, doorways and understanding to my childhood as well, because one of the things I've worked out is about my sensitivity. And when I use the word sensitivity, I talk about the ability to sense. So we sense our environment. We sense how a room feels. So when I came in today, I could feel a little bit of anxiety, but but a lovely sense of um, welcoming. And um, it just felt very peaceful in here, even though there is anxiety. Um, and so for people that are sensitive, we sense our environment and we sense the energy of the people we share it with, which is really why I went on to write my latest book, um, The Mystery of the Sensitive Child. Because for me, even though lots of challenges um, and labels like dyslexia have been welcomed and are being assisted, 
for me, the sensitive child has been left behind. Those tools are not there. The sensitive child is the one that still gets bullied or misunderstood. And like with the other things in life, we, we copy the people around us or we're given tools to explain it. But the sensitive child is really left to come up with their own tools. And I think really at this stage in life, this, this just needs to change. It shouldn't be this hard. These children need to be helped and encouraged and tools put in place. And for that to happen, the adults need to step up and learn what it actually means to have different levels of sensitivity and to assist these children. Just off air there, I think it said to you that uh, as the, the parent of five children, that you need a different instruction manual with each of them. You know, they all have their own uh, Let's say sensitivities yeah. and gifts and everything else and be conscious of that, I suppose, and get the best out of them if you could. And even then, even if even if we say that all five are sensitive, each one will present differently, which Absolutely. is really why yes. I call it the mystery. Yeah. And so it's the beauty of, yeah, of being the individuals. Kind, I suppose, yeah. yeah. So, so for me, some will, um, I suppose the most common, unfortunately, is they're often put in the category as of being weak or frail yeah. or incapable or you know the name calling the cry baba and oh you crying again and in the book one mum tells her story about her little one who was five that the teacher refused her the friday reward because she'd been crying too much during the week and that was her crime yeah i was going to say you know this one would have thought that well okay social services and all the supports are there but this still goes on doesn't it unfortunately it really does bullying or whatever yeah yeah, yeah. You mentioned in just as you were talking there, Breed, the importance first of all of adults understanding what's going on with the children, mm. but also that the book tries to give tools for how the child can learn to cope with that and how the adult can best support the child. Could you say something about the tools now? Okay, so um, last week I had a phone call from um, somebody in England that had bought the book and she was implementing some of the suggested tools within the school that she's teaching. And she was saying that um, it's really helped her, I suppose, mindfulness for all the children in the class, but also it's really helped her to identify some of the children that are sensitive. Um, so, so once we understand the children and their behavior so it can be anything so some children that are sensitive will will cry some will um maybe hit out or bite um and then they're reprimanded for being naughty but they're hitting out or biting because their little friend or a certain child or somebody in the classroom might be struggling emotionally on that particular day and the little one is just overwhelmed but doesn't understand why. And so it's almost like getting an electric shock. And so their response is to push the child back. Um, some will, um, they'll be the wigglers. They're, they're like trying to move away from it or they're trying to shake it off. And they, they don't know what it is, but they just know that they, they need to get away from it. And so I, I have put in all sorts of tools. So it's like first we need to understand what's going on okay they're sensitive which means they're sensing their environment a lot of the children who are sensitive will also be struggling with fight or flight because they're in constant anxiety and so that piece needs to be understood as well and then there's tools on how to help them or how to target at which times of the day to help them to switch that off there's little meditations in there i know the girls were talking earlier about the benefits of meditation so there's meditation specifically to help with fight or flight then there's 
tools for grounding. And here we run into difficulty again with the sensitive child because they tend to be people pleasers. They're aware of the needs of the other children in their group. And so they try to make those children happy. So often they don't know what their own things are. They don't understand their own grounding tools. And so if their little friend wants to play hop, they'll hop with that child. Or if their other child wants to play football, they'll play football with that child. So often we need to actually bring it down to what does that actual child and get them to use the words I and get them to work out what their needs are. Um, then I have included um, grounding skills. Separately, I've included um, like calming techniques. So again, if we go back to the classroom, if a little one falls and is distressed, they're going to need help. But the sensitive child who is in that vicinity will have gone into the distress of the child who's just got hurt. And they also need help. But often with a lack of understanding, they're seen as a drama queen or they're just seeking attention. And it's and then so they often get criticised. And so now they have the distress of the child that fell. They have their own distress and they're being criticised. So this is like layering on another layer of emotional stuff that they're now completely overwhelmed with. So there's little tools and techniques in there for different situations. Um, some of them are breathing techniques, but where I've adapted them to help them to ground and come in. So one that I put in there is where they take three breaths. The first one, on the, as they breathe in, they say the word me. The second time they breathe in, they say myself. And the third time they take a breath, they say I. So me, myself and I. But it really is just trying to get them to regulate, but also to come in and just be aware of their own bodies. I think that could apply to a lot of adults, the children. But I think so. Yeah. And a lot of people that have read the book, the adults have said, oh, my God, Brie, this is my childhood and I'm using your tools. So, um, yeah. And, but I think if we can get to these children that instead of them withdrawing from the world, yeah, like our ladies beside us, that um, that then they get to be the and achieve their full potential. Mel and Gay, you're listening. Absolutely. I think every word you're saying, Reid, is true because yeah. um, in the life coaching and that I would have done with people, a lot of their fears come from when they were children before the age of seven. And I also think a lot of it is you, you're talking about um, they're told not to cry. It's all about they're told to su suppress their emotions from a very young age. So then when in, even in their 40s, 50s and 60s, they're still not able to express their emotions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, one of the things must be that if uh, sort of in a sense, the damage of the lack of recognition of sensitivity, mm. that undoing that damage can turn out to be a lifetime's work if it's not done at the appropriate stage that you're talking about, Brie, to help the child. And so um, I think as the adult starts to learn, I, I do think sensitivity in our levels of sensitivity is also part of our genetics. So chances are if there is an adult or a parent who is highly sensitive, um, one of their children or more is also going to be highly sensitive. So often as the parent is learning, the child is learning as well, and they, they're then able to have these conversations together. So then the parent can say to the child when they come in, gosh, you seem really angry. Is that your anger? Mm -hmm. Who does that angry belong to? Will we just wash it down the sink? Or if appropriate, will we ask Holy God to take care of whoever owns that, owns that anger? Or will we ask the angels or their guides or the fairies, if it is, um, to take care of that person? And we'll wash it down the sink. Or... Um, 
they might have special little stones that they put the anger into. Or, but if the parent is coming to that page, then the child is coming there as well. And then, then they can have fascinating conversations like, how did you feel when we visited that castle? Or what did you feel in that room? Or, you know, do you get any energy off uh, your sister's new boyfriend or whatever that is? But it's like that they can, can come the road together then. I don't really use the term energy. Sometimes I say body language. Yeah. 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 That's the same thing as with really too. Yeah, so yeah. so a lot of people will look at somebody and go by how they're presenting. Whereas we can have our happy face on, but really emotionally under that yeah, yeah. there's something completely different going on. So for the sensitive child or the sensitive person, they'll be picking up the, the true copy. Yeah. Um It's one of the things I remember from coaching when I was doing life coaching myself that you know you could do it by phone but I thought that was always a bad idea because it doesn't give you it only gives you the oral uh, tone of voice and so on it doesn't give you what's going on with the person's body okay. and the body language gives so much away about or so much information when you're working with somebody I think that's a fascinating thing I must say, Bree, that I had read your book, The Psychic Code, which okay. is the first book, I think, that you published. Maybe so I've not. published one before that. It's oh, called okay. Memories and Missions, and oh. it really tells about my childhood and learning about my gifts and making sense of them. Oh. And then so. The Psychic Code after that. And I find The Psychic Code very interesting and quite straightforward in the sense that once I sort of accepted what the premise was, the, you know, the idea that any of us can pick up on emotions belonging to somebody else and carry those rounds and carry that person's pain rounds. It's quite, you know, it's quite a, a revelation to think that, I thought. And also, it's how you get rid of that and how you're free then to be yourself and live your own life. And I presume that some of the therapies that you, for example, Mel, would be offering mm -hmm. on the retreats would, to some extent, would be dealing with that. We would. I mean, um, it depends on the time frame. And obviously, we're, there's 10 of us. So, you know, you... I kind of get a sense for people mm -hmm. um, and also their aura, their energies. Of course. Um, I used to do a lot of chakra massages, so mm -hmm. that's where a lot of the those things would come up uh, with the stones and the energies and, you know, they'd feel quite emotional afterwards or drained and they'd need the next day to recuperate in a positive way, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, but, yeah, definitely... I definitely, uh, we need to talk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. Um, Breed, I'd like to ask you as well just a little bit about your work as a medium. Uh, a lot of people would, including myself, to be honest, would find that a little bit scary. You know, the notion, believing in afterlife perhaps, but the notion of communing with someone who has not yet got to the other side or, or got to where they're supposed to be in an afterlife. How does that work for you? You know, you mentioned that you work with souls who are in the light only. And I just wonder a little bit about that. Could you say something about that? Okay, so so um, everybody will have their own belief system. Mm -hmm. And even if all five of us sitting in this room had the same belief system, we'll all have a different understanding of that. Or even if we all were siblings, we'd all have a different relationship with our parent. So in no way am I trying to interfere with anybody's belief system. Um, for me, um, we're, we have souls, and when we, when we die, our souls continue. Um, for me, I picture like a gate, and when we get to the gate, I don't think we get a cloud and harp, that we, um, we start to transition, to come to an understanding of the life we've lived. I think we're accountable for our actions, our inactions, and our interactions. 
and the consequences of those, both positive and negative. And so as we transition through the light, that we look back at our life and come to an understanding of that with help. Um, occasionally, from my experience, not everybody transitions immediately. Um, so whether we believe in the Bible or not, it's this very old book that for 2000 years um, there are mentions of ghosts. So even if we're just taking it as a storybook, Jesus says to the apostles, touch my hands, I'm not a ghost. Or when he walks out in the water, he's reassuring them I'm not a ghost. So there have been the, the word ghosts and the idea of ghosts for as long as there have been people. Um, so for me, my understanding of that is that occasionally when people die, they don't take their opportunity to go to the gate. And so um, I have done some work with souls that, that are now ready to transition and I open a passageway and encourage them to move forward. Um, but people that come to see me just, it doesn't mean that their loved ones haven't passed on. That, that would be very unusual. Um, so people that come to see me for mediumship which would just be one tiny strand of my work, um, they might have lost somebody that they can't come to terms with that loss. And they just need to know that person is at peace and they just need some evidence. And by the soul providing that, it means that the person here can move forward. And also then the soul that's gone ahead knows that their loved ones are okay and also coming to terms with their loss. Yeah, it's very interesting. Those of a certain generation grew up, I suppose, dreading the thought of ghosts, you know? Yeah. But let's talk about spirits, you know? Okay. They're not there to harm us, are they? So what I say to people is, like in this lifetime, yeah. how many evil people have you met? Truly evil. True evil. Mm, yeah. So just because somebody's deceased and hasn't taken their passageway to the light yeah. doesn't suddenly make them into an evil spirit. Yes, yes. Um, they will be the exact same character as they were when they were alive. Yes. Mm. Um, so we don't change character just because we're deceased. Um, <laughs> no more than we get to the gate and we all suddenly become saints. <laughs> or for me, for me, we don't just get wings. Like for me, our grannies aren't up there flapping around the place. You know, they're, they're, they're souls and they're just continuing to transition yes. in the light. <laughs> my, my own little petty thing now, you know, you go to a graveyard and you see some of those monuments and you see kneel and pray. Mm. No, if I have any say that I say, sit and listen. Lovely. <laughs> You'd agree with that, would you? I would. Yeah. I would. So, exactly. Look, it's been fascinating. Thank you. Yeah. And where are your books? Are they widely available? So um, they're available if you go onto my website, which is thepsychiccode.ie. Um, there's links there for them. They're in the shops, the grain here, and the health store in Scarif has them. They're in the, the Innes Bookshop. They're in Limerick. They're, yeah, they're widely available. So they're hardback, paperback, and they're also as e-books. Very good. Thank you very much for taking the time. Brief, thanks for allowing thank me to come in and chat with you today. Yeah, and thanks for thank making so the journey from Kilfenora today. Oh, it was quite a pleasure. A, quite a trek today. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Uh, particularly. So thank you for coming in and we wish you the best of luck with the continuing success of the work yeah. for you and for the people that you encounter. Thank you.